Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. Matthew chapter 13, verse 40. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I mean, how many of you have ever been far enough north to drive through Indiana? Anyone driven through that? Oh, wow, okay. Good number of uh, kind of nationwide travelers. So um, if you're on I-90 in Indiana, um, there's a big black billboard that in huge white letters just says, Hell is real. <laughs> have any of you ever seen that billboard? No, okay. I, I, I confess I love this billboard. <laughs> Because it's a sign of contradiction to an increasingly atheistic world. It's a warning. It's not a threat. It doesn't say, you are going to hell. It just says very calmly, hell is real. Which is true. And yet, as a truth, it, it, it seems to be nearly fading from view. And I don't just mean in our culture. They you know, would be happy to forget about it a long time ago. But in our churches, I actually... It's kind of a dangerous thing because this might go the opposite way than I'm expecting. But how many of you have heard a sermon on hell in the last 10 years? Oh, okay. That's more than I thought it would be. Okay, so actually, I'm glad that, um, that this part of the Christian truth has been preached on. But I, I think it does, um, it has been unduly minimized in our era. And, and I think in some ways this is really understandable, right? Because the gospel, the good news for the world, is the love of God and the love he's shown us in Jesus Christ. And as St. Paul says, what, what leads us to repentance? It's the kindness of God. So it, it makes sense, really, that hell is not front and center in the Christian presentation. Um, and I, it, I really do believe it's an error to put it front and center. You know, we think of, when we think of sort of the proverbial hellfire and brimstone preacher in our minds, in our, in our hearts, we know there's something wrong with that picture. And I think it's because we know that trying to scare people into the kingdom of God is not a good strategy. It, it certainly wasn't Jesus' strategy. But I guess sort of in my sort of analysis of the lay of the land, I think in being wary, rightly wary, of making too much of hell, I think we've kind of swung the pendulum back the other way to make too little of it. Because it still is the case that Jesus actually mentions explicitly eternal punishment in the next life at least a dozen times in his teaching ministry. A dozen. That, that number actually surprised me. I sort of googled like fire and hell and looked up all the references and I didn't realize it was so many. So it's clearly an important component piece of the Christian faith. It's something our Lord taught definitively on uh, and it's something I think we need to keep in view to remind ourselves as part of the big picture of what Jesus has revealed to be ultimately true about our lives and the cosmos. And as a sort of footnote, I love, um, there's so much mystery in this passage we heard from Romans, um, that the, sal the plan of God's saving of, uh, of his salvation isn't just for human souls, it's the whole creation, right? That picture of the whole creation is groaning, longing for everything to be set right. Uh, that this is a cosmic picture that in Colossians, Paul will actually say, um, God is reconciling the cosmos to himself through the blood of his son, Jesus. Um, so it's this, it's this huge, this huge, wonderful picture. 
But what I want to focus on, what I think the Lord's asked me to focus on this morning, in this parable that used to be called the parable of the wheat and the tares, right? For those of you who remember your King James Bibles, is, is hell. The first thing I think we learn from this parable is that, it, as the billboard says, uh, that it is real, that it is an awful and a terrible reality. As a place of weeping, gnashing of teeth, and unending fire. Which, as I read this, it's actually hard to really get my heart around, uh, as well as my mind. It's an image fit for a horror movie, and yet if we submit to the scriptures as the word of God, there it is, in all its sort of grotesqueness before our eyes. And one of the things that um, our Lord's presentation, his teaching on hell, stands in contradiction to is, uh, as well as the belief that there's nothing in the afterlife, which is prevalent kind of in the culture at large, uh, within the church there's this very dangerous idea kind of which has been just creeping its way in through different sides that sort of um, that everybody gets to heaven. Except maybe sort of the really bad guys, right? Like, you know, and that list is different. Hitler, Bin Laden, I mean, pick your kind of arch enemy. Um, but that on the whole, we all make the cut. Uh, whether you're a Christian indeed, or just a Christian in name only, or not a Christian at all, like what we can expect is a better place. That sort of language from the culture is infiltrated, even Christian conversations. Oh yeah, better place, better place. Kind of without li- really asking, well, did they manifest, were they manifestly a Christian? That, that's the real question. Jesus tells us plainly that um, not everybody goes to a better place. Some do, thanks to his mercy, get gathered into, in, the pic, in the picture of the parable into the barn, uh, but some go to a, actually a far worse place than anything in this life, hell. I think um, perhaps there's a few good reasons to keep this in view, the reality of hell. And one of them is to realize just exactly what it is that God's rescued us from. And when we see that, we actually, it throws into relief the real character of his love for us. Because it, you know, it's something we believe in faith that the scriptures revealed, but in our sort of self-deceiving hearts, we don't want to believe about ourselves. But hell was where we were destined to go, right? Of our own nature, none of us, I can assure you, none of us would actually choose God left to our own devices. We would all, like Adam, he's the archetype of us all, um, we would have all done the same thing in his shoes. We would have not chosen God. We would have disobeyed. We all were sort of doomed. We all were doomed to, and the words, they're hard to say, but this is what the scripture says, to an eternity of misery. And now to me, that doesn't, as a man, that doesn't sound just. I'm like, well, one disobedience, eternity of torment, you know, it seems kind of out of proportion. But here's where actually I think, just to reveal kind of my own inner mind on this, is I, I, I cede my own judgment to God. Like, I'm not God. It doesn't seem just. But I know that God is just. And so I trust, okay, well, that must be the just punishment of offending Almighty God. So I accept that sort of exchange as the scripture presents it in plain terms. But because of the, the loving heart that God has towards us, he, he would not have uh, that be our ultimate fate. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus, right? That's why we set what we remember every single Holy Communion, that through the cross we have been ransomed. That's the language Paul uses. We've been purchased away from that fate and brought into the household of God. 
So that's a really good reason to never forget that hell is real. It's a real place that we, in his mercy, have been rescued from. And, and that's a cause for gratitude. So that's the first thing I think that is kind of just right there on the face of the parable that we just heard. Um, the second thing from this parable of the wheat and the weeds is that the, it was the grain that turned out to be good and the weeds that turned out to be bad were actually really hard to distinguish. And this is actually, you know, I, I love our English translations. I love the English language. As those of you who've gotten to know me, I love language. And I think our English translations render the scriptures so well. Like a study of the original languages can be beneficial, but English Bible has it all right there. I mean, so English is a great, great language. I just have one, there's one tiny shade of meaning that gets lost in this parable, which is useful uh, to look at what gets lost in translation. So we heard the word weeds, right, in our gospel, the weeds grew up. Um, the Greek word there it actually can be translated more precisely than weed. It, it can be translated darnel grass. Now, I'd never heard of darnel grass until uh, researching for this sermon. Uh, how many of you have heard of darnel grass? Is that like a common thing among gardeners? No. Okay. Just, just checking. Um, but it can be translated darnel grass, um, which is what in the King James was rendered as tares. And the thing about darnel grass is it's almost indistinguishable to the human eye from wheat. In fact, you can only really tell the difference when, it's, when the grain in the ear has fully sprouted. The grains are in like a slightly different staggered pattern. And only then can you actually see the difference from wheat. So now re-listen re to the parable with, with that uh, truth kind of before us, that they're indistinguishable. The reason in the parable the, the master says, no, 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 no. Don't, don't reap just yet, because you might mistake the real for the false or the false for the real. It's, it's hard to tell. Wait until the thing has come into full bloom, and, and then the judgment will come. So what Jesus is saying, I think, is that until the very end of our lives, until our dying breath, it's not certain which one we will be. We've got to wait till the full fruition, till every word of the book of our lives is written. Then it will be revealed, okay, were we wheat? are we wheat or are we Darnell? Our lives, the fullness of our life, will bear out the truth. I'm seeing the sort of the similarity in the parable between the wheat and the weeds. You know, in the first place, this means we shouldn't be haughty about our own lives, right? There's sort of the danger of Christian presumption. Like, well, I've been baptized, had faith for a good number of years, I must certainly be the wheat. And certainly, right now, you would be. But that we must continue to be seeking our Lord for the duration of our days, right? That's what Paul is talking about and talks about perseverance. Like, continuing in the Christian life until we come to full fruit, until the grain is manifest and we prove ourselves, it's made manifest that we are, in fact, wheat. This also comes to bear on you know, how we think about others. I think this is sort of a parable that buttresses our Lord's teaching to not judge others. Like someone else might look like wheat and may end up being a tear. They may look like a, uh, a darnel and they end up being wheat. Like It's not for us to judge. Only on the last day will it be revealed. It was Augustine um, who said that uh, there will even be plenty of bishops and priests in hell on the last day. That outward things... Don't fool God, right? We can pretend piety. God looks at the heart. He knows what we were made of. He knows what we really are, wheat or darnel. And I think um, 
as I was thinking through this, I think one of the reasons, this is one of the reasons that the Lord um, allows difficulty in our lives um, because it, it brings out, it actually f- sort of forces, force tests what we're really made of. Because if you take a Darnell plant and you uh, grind up the grain and you add some water and bake it, you get a nasty, it's actually a poisonous loaf. You'll get real sick for like a day or two. You could never confuse it with the warm, beautiful thing that is a fresh-baked loaf of wheat bread. I think sort of, you know, kind of extending and extrapolating the parable that our Lord gives us this morning, um, it's in the grinding and the baking that the real thing is tested. True of grain and it's true of us. That when difficulty comes, that's when it's revealed, okay, am I a Christian? Do I trust God through this difficulty? Or do I run from him and disobey and hide from him? That's, that's the difference between the wheat and the weeds. And I, uh, yeah, and I think that's another re- reason, to, uh, good reason to remember that hell is real. That, that we don't confuse outward appearance of holiness now uh, with inward reality, but we trust the judgment to God, and we know at the great judgment there will be the sheep and the goats, that there will be this division between the wheat and the weeds. So the third and uh, final thing that I wish to sort of sift out of this parable, <laughs> pun, pun intended, is... <laughs> uh, and this was what was sort of teased out also in the, the reading we heard from the wisdom of Solomon, is the patience and the mercy of God in delaying his judgment. We see in the parable the servants who uh, Jesus refers to are the angels say, weeds, pull these things out right now. We've got to get these off of the face of your earth. But the Lord says, no, 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 wait. Keep your sickle on your hip. Their time will come, the time when all those who cause, as it says in verse 41, who cause sin to others and who are themselves lawbreakers, they will all receive their just deserts, which God says is hell. But he puts that judgment off as long as possible. I would say as long as humanly possible, but it's as long as divinely possible. And he does this in every way, right? The reason St. Peter reveals, the reason Jesus is delaying in his second coming is so that as many humans as possible would repent and would, in their repentance, show themselves to be wheat and not tares. The reason he gives most of us thousands of days, 70 years if we're blessed, maybe even 80 or more, is so that we could have every day as an opportunity to give our lives to him of embracing him as our savior, seeking to love him and follow him, and turning away from sin and darkness, to live the life of wheat. He's beckoning every day, all of us, to produce that good fruit, to show ourselves, to really be the sons and the daughters that he's called us to be and made us to be in our baptisms. So that's why um, I think, you know, if someone does a crime on earth, we want them to be punished swiftly, right? We say, you know, justice, the long arm of the law, we want justice to come quickly. God shows his justice actually the opposite way, right? When we just plunge headlong into some terrible sin, he doesn't strike us dead from, he- from, from, the, from the skies. That's not Christian theology. You kind of hear this sometimes, right? Like, oh, is the lightning going to strike? No, God isn't swift in his judgments. He's actually merciful because he's hoping that we would repent so that we don't die in our sins, so that we don't go to hell forever. 
He knows uh, that until our final breath, it's not too late, right? That's the great hope of the thief on the cross. He was like minutes from death and accepted Jesus. And Jesus says, today you'll come to paradise with me forever. In the, the loving eyes of Jesus, it's never too late to fly the, our true colors, to prove ourselves to be those who trust in him, to be wheat. Uh, so that's the message, kind of something, bringing all these things together. The message I w- want to leave you with from the parable that we heard this morning is, is the billboard, hell is real, to not forget that. But the, in the face of the, that reality, it's our task to prove ourselves to be, um, it, these are the words of St. Ignatius, the wheat of God. Uh, and that doesn't mean sort of we try hard, like, I'm going to be a Christian. It just means we actually, in some ways, it's the opposite of trying hard. It's, it's seeding our whole life to God and saying, Lord, I want your life and not my own sins. I want your love and not my own cold-heartedness. That's what it means to be the wheat of God. Maybe ground up in, in this life, if it's to his glory. But ultimately, all of us to be baked, and kind of again, extending this wheat metaphor, that we would all be baked into the one glorious loaf of Christ's body. And as Jesus ends the teaching out of the parable, so that then forever, instead of hell, we would shine like the sun forever in the glory of the kingdom of God. May it be so for all of us. Amen.